You Can Mentor is a podcast about the power of building relationships with kids from hard places in the name of Jesus. Every episode will help you overcome common mentoring obstacles and give you the confidence you need to invest in the lives of others. You Can Mentor. Welcome back to the You Can Mentor podcast. My name is Stephen, and I'm here today with a very special guest, a very special guest, Dr. Jeff Springer. How the heck are you, Jeff? Man, I just, Steve, I'm so excited to be here. It's, it's you know, as, as we said every day at D. Magnoy High School, it is a great day to be alive. Amen. So you might have just picked up something from what Jeff just said. Yes, he is my high school principal. So I have arrived in life to the point that I could call up my high school principal and he would want to be on my podcast. I think that's amazing. I mean, bucket list done. So thank you, Jeff, for making time to jump on the podcast today. And honestly, I mean, I feel like this is the best time for me to confess some stuff to you, uh, particularly from my freshman year. I remember a time that uh, my brother, my brother was a senior when I was a a freshman and him and his buddies challenged me to trip on a banana peel in the cafeteria in the middle of the cafeteria so you remember that big m that was in in the middle they put a banana peel down and told me to go trip on it well i tripped on it and it really hurt myself and the first person to come to my aid was none other than jeff springer the principal of magnolia high school And I felt so much shame because (laughs) this joke was meant to be for the other students, but then all of a sudden you insert yourself with being compassionate and gracious, offering to take me to the nurse, to check out, to get me ice. And I, I feel like I just ran away. So thank you so much for loving me in that moment. And I'm sorry, it was all a sham. It wasn't real. But you gave me an opportunity to demonstrate to other students that a principal could actually possess uh, empathy and compassion for, uh, you know, for all students. It was huge. It was huge. I don't think our school was ever the same after that moment. Um, But in all honesty, Jeff, just, I mean, from my experience in high school, I always thought you were a good man, thought you were a godly man, even if I didn't even know what that was. Mm -hmm. Not growing up in the church, Mm -hmm. I just had that image of you. So, the fact that you loved me well, even in that moment when I had practically lied to you about a situation, I just, I, that, that made me question even more what, who you were. Um, like you were a myth to me, even just in always telling us it was a great day to be alive. Like, I think you just had this energy, this joy, this peace. When I would speak with uh, smaller groups like Fellowship Christian Athletes, I would tell them that really when they heard me say it's a great day to be alive, I was saying, you know, Psalm 118, 24, this is the day the Lord hath made. So let us rejoice and be glad in it. Obviously, I couldn't say that in a public high school over the PA system. But I said, next time you hear me say that to those particular students, you know what I, what I really mean. So I've said that for a long time, 34 years in education. I have kids that come and see me. You know, some kids know me as coach and some know me as Mr. Springer. And uh, I didn't stay in it long enough to be doctor. I, I got my doctorate after I got out. Go figure. And, um, but anyway, I'm Springer I'm Springer to most people, just Springer. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's even made it into your latest project. Would love to just share where you're at now. Dr. Springer. Wow. Doctor, he didn't get to walk because of COVID-19, but 
He is still a doctor. He serves as the men's minister at UMC in Magnolia, Texas, and he started two amazing organizations, one titled Suit Up Ministries that equips and encourages dads in the vital role they play in the life of their kids, and then another consulting organization called Spring Strategies, which is a strategic consulting company that helps small businesses and educational leaders create systems in their organizations that help them lead with confidence. And so if you lead a nonprofit or an organization, a small business, highly encourage you if you're inspired by this conversation to reach out to Jeff and see uh, how he can partner with you guys. And so I love having Jeff on the podcast, but as I said, he was a myth and a legend to me in high school. So I just like to ask Jeff, Jeff, who is Jeff Springer? Can you paint a picture for our listeners? Wow. Again, that's a, that's, you know, I, I love to ask that question of other people, but I, you know, that's a, that's always a hard one to, you know, to answer. Yeah. But, um, you know, bottom line is I'm a coach. Uh, you know, I'm a, once a coach, always a coach. I'm, I love to coach people, uh, develop people. I love to figure out who they are, what makes them tick. How can they be better? How, how can we maximize, you know, this, this person's, uh, abilities and talents and, and help them realize, you know, really how valuable, they are in and how complete and uh, and loved and um you know i'm working on that discipleship thing with christ you know i, I mean i want to i want to be you know that you know i want to strive to be a disciple of christ and um you know hopefully i do a lot of that or a lot of that just comes out in my coaching and my one-on-one uh, developing of, of people so uh you know i'm a dad i love being a dad um i i've ha- i've been able to possess i think the two best titles ever. And, uh, that's coach and dad. And, and they're really the same thing. I think that every, you know, every kid's first coach should be their dad, you know? Um, so there's a lot of parallels with those, those two. And, um, so my heart, you know, I got laid on my heart back in 2008. I'd been in education for a long time. I saw the ill effects of absentee fathers, you know, in my schools and a lot of, you know, when you peel away a lot of, uh, facades of kids when you have them in your office and you talk about what's going on in their life and because they're you know a habitual discipline problem you find out that very few of these got these boys and girls that act out in school or have problems related uh, uh, to their behavior oftentimes is directly related to no male role figure uh, that's positive in their life mm-hmm. yeah and I'm sure working in education for over 30 years, You've probably seen even just the trajectory and a shift within families just based off of watching watching how kids are acting and and what's going on in the school and who you're having conversations with. So I, I don't know if you've seen a shift over those 30 years. What did it look like back in, was that 1990 versus? Yeah, my, yeah, my first year in teaching was the fall of, let's see, 82. And, um, yeah, there was divorce. I mean, I came from a divorce, divorce family, but it was less, you know, prominent. It wasn't, it was the it, kind of the exception to the rule. And now that's now being married is kind of the exception to the rule it's flipped, you know? So, but I was, you know, through the years, I can remember late eighties, early nineties when I was at a, I was a teacher and a coach at, at one high school in the Cypher district. I many, many times stood in as a, is this uh, father figure for father daughter dances, walking you know senior football players on senior night out 
walked twice, walked homecoming queen nominees across the field. I mean, I just can't even comprehend. These are, you know, amazing kids and their dad is nowhere, you know. And in most cases, their dad's alive. They're just not present. So, yeah, but I, I, I you know, the, the percentages, if you look at, at the statistics, you know, we're, we're, we're growing up in a fatherless America. And uh, there is so many, uh, you can, you can, if you look at the statistics, you can, you know, it takes you right back to, you know, drug abuse, juveniles in prison, you know, dropouts, right, you know, poverty, it, you know, it all, you can circle, you know, or ask the question, where are the dads? Yeah, man, gosh, I, I mean, I love the picture you just shared is like these good kids, where's their dad? And just being a coach, being a father figure in their life, how you feel the absence while at the same time that there's, there's an opportunity yeah. that's presented to men in the church mm. to, to stand up. Like you, you kind of said it to step forward mm-hmm. and, and be God's men. And so I, I'd love to even continue the conversation about being a mentor, being a father figure, being those things are very similar to being a dad. I realize there's a different level of responsibility, um, but there are a lot of overlapping heart motivations um, and desires in that calling to be a father figure that relate to the calling of a dad. And so I'd, I'd love for you to unpack what are the differences you see between uh, someone being a mentor and someone being a dad? And should those different differences or similarities influence how we mentor? Yeah, well, for, first of all, I think that, um, I mean, it's so, there's such an overlap. We, uh, Suit Up Ministries, one of our, one of the, one of the opportunities or ministries we offer, we call it, we call it Dad University. And they're either half day or full day uh, men's conferences where we invite uh, dads of uh, speakers of you know, from blended family to divorced dads to raising daughters, raising sons, you know, been there, done that dads, dads that need reconciliation, um, you know, future dads, new dads, you name it, every life stage. The, and the goal is that they leave that day um, hearing at least one speaker uh, that relates to where they are in their life. And, um, you know, we emphasize that you don't have to be the biological dad to be a dad or to be a dad figure because you know there's a lot of men out there that are you know that will remain childless as far as you know the biological children but they still have there's still plenty of opportunity to influence in a positive way and obviously educators men in education uh have a great uh platform there it's not maybe as easy for men that are, you know, just, you know, are, you know, in the, the, the real world, so to speak, you know, the corporate worlds, you know, um, unless there's a partnership between that corporation and big brothers or, or church organizations, et cetera, the focus is on that. But, you know, being the father figure is, you, you know, you, what we say is the, as a mentor or, or a father figure, you can't ever take the place of the biological father. However, you can serve as a reminder that we have a heavenly father, you know, you can, you can, I, I just think that that's so uh, essential to, re- to remember, you know, there's some moments as a mentor that you like, as you mentioned that you may not, you know, 
place yourself in or have that opportunity, but really depends on the scenario um, and the willingness of, of the situation, you know, that it presents. Um, you, you know, a lot of times you're going to, to me, the difference maybe between a, a mentor and, the, and a dad that's involved is the dad has more opportunity for those uh, developmental moments. It's going to be there when maybe when the child takes his first step or says his first words or, you know, rides his bike, you know, learns how to ride a bike or, you know, but, you know, I, it's funny. I didn't realize how much I missed as a young dad until I became a grandpa because I could see all the things that my daughter does as a mom. And because because my son-in-law goes to work, you know, there are, there are hours during the day and, think, and then maybe even in the evenings that even as the biological dad, we, we miss if we're not careful. So, uh, so yeah, there's a, there's a lot of similarities. Um, and I think it's, I think if a man is called to be the mentor, I think it is a calling, uh, you know, uh, you know, to make a difference in other youth's lives. Um, I think it's, you know, I think that's amazing. It can, can, you know, I've had, I have lifelong relationships with some of my former students to this day that, and I call all my kids, you know, uh, my school daughter, my school son. And I think that's, you know, of course, again, I had a, a vast field of opportunity on a daily basis. Something you said was that fathers, a difference between fathers and mentors is that they have more opportunities. Um, and I, I think something that you hear consistently that discourages men or when we miss opportunities, um, and that can just shut you down when you, when there was an opportunity and you didn't rise to the occasion or you didn't step up, there's just shame and guilt and that just piles on. And that, that clearly happens to fathers, but it also happens to mentors. I've seen mentors who miss a game that they said they were going to go to and they forgot about it and you could just see them shut down. And um, so I, I wonder if you could speak to that uh, of just, yeah, what is it about men that when we miss an opportunity, it just, it, it wrecks us. You know, we talk, we talk about it, dad university or within suit up ministries, why men walk away. And I think sometimes they walk away because what you just said, they feel like maybe they've gone too far that there's no return. And so that's why we, I mentioned reconciliation, you know, dads that need reconciliation. Uh, it's never too late to be the dad, never. And it's never too late to be the mentor. Whatever it is that, you know, it can be bridged. You know, you just have to take that first, first step. You have to have make, and I think what happens is men feel like they just, that maybe kids are better without, with, they talk to themselves, you know, it's, at, the, at first it's hurt, it hurts, but then the longer it goes, they, you know, there's probably, there's, there's self-doubt and self, you know, doubt, self, lack of self-worth and the kid, you know, maybe they say the kid's better without me, you know, that's never the case. That is what, I mean, there's rare cases, I'm sure, but in most cases, if it's, it, those things can be healed and they can be mended. And I bet the people who are the ones that their kids are better off without would never recognize that. Right. Yeah. It's just hard. And so they, it's, it, maybe it's a, it's a feeling of uh, un, uh, unworthiness. And then sometimes we just, we just, you know, as men, we just simply don't like confrontation sometimes. So it's hard to come back and turn the page. You know, it's hard to humble, humble ourselves and say, you know, and say that we, 
you know, re, you know, you know, and ask for forgiveness um, that we screwed up, you know, and we don't get it right. It, we, one of the first things we tell our guys that are in, in the audience at dad university is we're all these, every one of these men that are going to be speaking today that we we're still trying to figure it out too. You know, dads never graduate. We, you know, you, it's a university that you never graduate from. You know, you're always a dad. Once a dad, always a dad. And, and I, I tell, we tell our kids, I mean, we tell our men, the best thing they can do for kids is love the wife, the mom. But sometimes divorce happens, but you don't ever divorce your kid. You're, you're always biologically connected to that kid, regardless of what your marital status is. It makes it harder for men because of distance and you have to be more creative and, and I mean, I've dealt with men that are in prison and they, you know, I've done prison ministry and, and after I've spoken to a group, they, you know, want, several of them pulled me aside and said, how can I be the dad inside these walls? And even inside, even inside the walls, you used to be the dad, you know, letter writing and, and you know, and, and, you know, and verbalizing and being, you know, creating some kind of consistency, even from a distance. Obviously, you know, my podcast is called You Can Mentor. It's because we... Who believe you can mentor whoever's listening, all eight of you out there. Um, <laughs> and, and I think obviously your ministry, Suda Ministries, is you can dad. You can dad. Like, and maybe you need to start your own podcast, Jeff, but I, I'd love to hear what, what you've kind of found to be motivating for dads to get back in the game uh, who have maybe fallen by the wayside and, um, maybe they did go through a divorce and decided that was, you know, maybe I'm not good, good enough, or I don't have what it takes, or it, it'd be more harmful than good, or it'd be more difficult. My, I'm busy. I got a schedule and I'm trying to move on. I, I wonder if those same motivations that you give to dads would be encouragements to our mentors as well, who, who feel that sense of maybe I'm not cut out for this. Mm-hmm. Well, we, you know, we use, uh, we take the word dad as an acronym that stands for daily active devotion. And, you know, I've always said that, you know, the word, you know, father is, is great. Uh, obviously our, you know, father in heaven is, we all have uh, that father, but sometimes there's a lot of, there's fathering going on, but there's not a lot of dads, you know, there's biological fathering, um, but then not daily active devotion, you know, the difference between too. And so I, I really would like to, it's really not fatherlessness. It's really dadlessness. <laughs> I mean, cause there's a lot of fathering going on and part of that, and that's part of the problem, you know, um, but then men are not being the dad. So that means, you know, sticking around. So I just say, stick to it. You know, what do you do? We break it down. You know, what does it mean to be daily? What does it mean to be active? You know, it, being a dad doesn't mean just in the room or in the, under the same roof. It means being, you know, active. So how do you do, how do you demonstrate being an active dad, you know, and then devoted, you know, what, what kinds of things do you do that illustrate your devotion to your children? You know, so daily active, you know, devotion, you know, one of your questions, you know, I meant you, you mentioned um, that you sent me was about, you know, what do kids need? You know, what you know, I need consistency. You know, you know, they need someone who cares about their journey. They need consistency. Someone who cares about their journey creates a future for them, prophesies a future, can see a future for their, projects a future for their kids. Whether you're a father figure or whether you're the dad, 
So, you know, consistency uh, cares about the journey and creates a future. So those would be kind of those kind of things. And the other thing is, is we, here's what we tell our dads when they, the goal of our little tagline for dad university, when they spend a day with us is that we want one man, one change, one generation. We're not asking you to change your whole life. We're looking, if 200 men come, we're saying that the whole day was worthwhile if one man just leaves this conference to make and makes one change that changes one generation. But we, you know, so, so that kind of, so that's what I would tell a mentor or a dad, you don't have to do it all. You just do one thing. What is that one thing that you can change to be a better mentor or to be a better dad that would potentially affect a generation? That is an awesome challenge. Both, both of those, the daily active devotion and one man, one change, one generation. I love that, Jeff. And, and I hope, yeah, every mentor that listens to this who is feeling overwhelmed, discouraged in that place of, I don't know if I have what it takes. What is one thing you could change? Yeah. Just one thing. I would say as a man, when I feel discouraged, I need to cling on to like, what's one simple thing that I can, I can see progress. And well, the other, the um, other thing is, is I think that sometimes as we don't always see the fruit of our labor. So, but we're planting seeds. So as a mentor, maybe you get frustrated because you don't see immediate results with a kid's behavior attitude or relationship. And, you know, kids are not going to just love you just because you walk in the room. It takes time. One of the very first thing I wanted to do when I came to Magnolia high school, my goal was to become, to become old fast, but you can't, there's no replacement for time. You just get to put the time in. You know, so if you ask the question, what one of the questions was, you know, about, you know, seeing, uh, experiencing, cha- you know, life changes and so forth with men and their relationships and so forth. And most of it, I have to say, unfortunately, we don't see the fruit, but we do. But we hear, th- you know, gratitude for providing this type of ministry and mostly local because it's not always we don't, there's not a lot of people talking about dadhood. You know, there's. There's not a lot of, there, you know, pseudo ministry exists for two reasons, two very simple reasons to, to celebrate the dads that are already in the game. Number one, because nobody else is, nobody tells the world doesn't, you know, we're not, ex- you know, essential and uh, deem for the most part, the buffoon on TV and movies. And so number one, we're, we celebrate dads. Number two, we exhort dads uh, to get off the bench and get in the game. The ones that aren't. Uh, to to come alongside their their wife, their spouse, um, to be that other parent, you know, uh, those those two things, you know. So it's funny we do more probably of the first because we typically have dads, typically dads that come to dad university or dads that are in the game, but they may not be all the way in, you know. They're but they're or they're in and there's they're uh, they want to be the the champion dad, you know, they want to continue to be, you know, they want to, that's like my dad was 80 years old when he came to, da- he came to one of my dad universities because that's what kind of daddy was. He, you know, it was just like when I was in all my games. So I'm 80, he's 80, I'm 60 and he's still coming to my stuff and, and sitting in the back row. And you would think, what would he have to learn at age 80 about being a dad? You know, but even at, you know, so um, even dads that say, well, I've been there, done that, or I hope you get a lot of young dads. I always say to them, look, this is an opportunity for you to continue to learn yourself. Even if you're a grandpa or empty nest dad, 
it's also an opportunity for you to bring uh, your son-in-law, your son, your neighbor's son, your neighbor. It's a fellowship opportunity to learn right beside each other how to be a better dad. So the bottom line is if we don't, Stephen, if we don't, then, um, I mean, wouldn't it be great if, I mean, I love the fact that you have this mentoring program, but wouldn't it be great if the dad was the mentor? And, and you know, and I used to talk, I used to relate this to youth ministry. Thank God we have strong youth ministry. And a lot of times, for a lot of youth, if it wasn't for youth ministry, wouldn't have made it because they didn't have it at home. But what if youth ministry and mentorship was reinforcement of what was happening at home instead of replacement? Yeah. Well, and even in my experience doing youth ministry, I've had so many dads who are investing in their kids asking me to mentor their kids because they want the message to be reinforced that, somewhere else. Exactly. And and so in a in a perfect environment, both of those are happening. Yeah. Not not just one of them. It, it um, just amplifies it. I I love what you said just about the community aspect of dadhood that dads need dads. I mean, you you get that. I got that when I was in college. I just knew that I needed other men in my life to invest in me and show me how to be a man. And mentoring is all about that of inviting people into a community of learning. And I like what you said of of celebration and exhortation mm. that that there there is this community that you're invited into that encompasses both of those things that we celebrate you and we exhort you and we challenge you. Mm. And it's it's having a kid now when Ben was born, something I recognize and have been talking to my wife Katie about is she she told me that when the baby screams, something goes on within her body that there's a feedback loop that creates breast milk mm. and like causes her body to just activate. Mm. When he screams, nothing happens in my body, but disruption, a lack of sleep. Um, <laughs> like there's, there's nothing going on that's for his benefit when he screams other than if I'm in a right mind, a prayerful spirit, feeling compassion for my son. What I, what I take away from that is, is really women inherently have this design that's very natural to provide for and nurture children. And I think men have to be taught how to be in their role. Um, and they need to be invited into that community of men, which is something we always talk about is like a rite of passage as a man is, is coming under the leadership of other men who are showing you what manhood is. And, yep. and I just think that that's huge for dads and mentors. Yep. Um, you know, it's easier, Stephen, if you've had a dad that showed you that, but there's a lot of dads that are in the breaking the cycle business. You know, they never had it. It was never, it was, there was, yeah, there's no instruction book and you don't really know until you really know, even if you had it modeled, but it helps if you had a dad that modeled it for you. You know, I, I'll never forget this. When I'll never, I, it was like yesterday. My daughter will be 32 this month. And, um, but it seems like it was just yesterday. We brought her home for the very first time. And I remember laying my head on the pillow, realizing that my, my baby girl is not a puppy. It, it, I mean, for it, this is a lifetime, this is a lifetime commitment. This is not a puppy. You know, this is real. And so, but I wonder how I would have been if, I mean, I have an amazing wife and mom, but I wonder how I would have been if I was that same 
if I was the same guy without a dad that didn't model that, you know, being a dad for me. So where my empathy comes in is going through a parent, you know, my parents divorce. They didn't divorce me, but they divorced each other. So I think that's where I have that empathy, natural empathy for broken homes and kids, that, you know, that need their dads or away from their both parents and so forth. But but I did have a dad that remained in my life. And so, so yeah, that community is really important. I so admire a guy, a man that says he, you know, he's, it's the buck stops, you know, here, I'm not going to, we're not going to continue that legacy anymore. We're going to create a new legacy, man. That is, but that also takes other men as well. To, so, and let's face it, men don't, they don't normally stand around the water cooler at work and talk about how, what it means to be a dad. Not really. I mean, I think it's becoming more, I am uh, somewhat, you know, uh, excited and, and, and I see hope, hopeful, I guess that's the word, because I do see more young dads out with their kid. Of course, not right now in the pandemic, but prior to that, you know, out in the stores and so forth, I would see dads buy more times than before by themselves. So maybe there's some balance there. You know, it's become more chic, more okay for dads to be a, the dad and not just the provider. You know, the, maybe the nurturer as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think especially if they invest in some long white socks and um, some Sperry shoes and a visor, I feel like that, I mean, you can dad with that. So right, absolutely. I mean, that's totally in right now. Yeah. Or it's it's back. I don't know if that was in already. I think it was. Um, but yeah, absolutely, Jeff. And it sounds like the dads that are killing it, that are doing a great job, are the ones that I guess are are more willing to talk about it, to talk about dadhood and are, are comfortable in that identity. And I, I wonder for um, Suit Up Ministries, if you're looking at these dads who are wanting to grow and you're like, hey, who would you refer yeah. to to jump in? Yeah. And and your referrals aren't coming from like the the top 10 dads of Magnolia, Texas. Your referrals are coming from the guys who are trying to figure it out. Yeah. Um, so I, I wonder if you have any thoughts on that. One of, one of our goals in 2020 is to, we want to pour into what we call our, uh, our dad champions. So then they can turn around and pour into the guys they know in their networks via neighborhood or uh, zoom or what have you, you know, cause this, obviously this pandemic has kind of changed like we're doing this right now. So the goal is, is we're developing what we call these uh, suit up dad huddles that are either geographically physically geographic neighborhood dad groups, like a support group of dads um, that these champions invite. We don't tell the champions who to invite, when to invite, how often they meet, you know, where they meet, but we do supply or support them with the curriculum. And so, and it's all geared towards being, um, you know, being the dad. And so much, some of it is direct curriculum about, being a dad is some of it, but most of it is just, is really just basic biblical application. There are principles for regardless of what gender or what age you are, that you're going to be a better person in general, which means you're going to be a better dad for your kids. The main thing is just getting those guys together 
you know, whether it's Zoom or face-to-face in a, in a room to, to, to maybe even commiserate a little bit about how hard it is to be a dad, you know, and to learn from the mistakes maybe of an older dad sitting next to a brand new dad and that kind of thing. So, yeah, so that goal, the goal that we want to launch in the fall is some sort of dad university online that includes Zoom groups and face-to-face groups led by a group of, of these champions that we pour into uh, to you know kind of enlarge this territory. I love it. And I think we should be having more conversations and I, I hope suit up ministries. Um, yeah. Blows up just, and creates more conversations for dads who need to be invited into that community. And just from my experience, inviting people into mentoring, mm-hmm. it creates something within men. When you, when you say, Hey, I think you could be a great mentor. I think you could be a great dad. I think you are a great dad. Mm-hmm. And I, I think calling those things out in people causes them to rise up to what God has called them to do, to step forward and to, to influence their family and their community in, in crazy ways. And so I, I just think that, yeah, I'm all for the huddles. And I, I feel like for, for us as a mentoring organizations, I've usually seen the huddle time as this is a time for me to train, to give you tips and tricks. And I think even just recognizing the power of the community aspect of just feeling known, seen, and that being the thing that challenges you, that being the thing that, that puts fire in your bones to be a better dad and um, to do the stuff. If you're a dad out there, sometimes you think you're alone, you know, or you're the only dad that's made that mistake or you're, you know, you're the worst dad in the neighborhood, you know, and then you, then you find out in a huddle situation that, you know, there's other men that are, you know, feeling the same way. So it's kind of like those same points with, you know, what are, what do kids need from their, their mentors and their coaches? Well, you know, men need the same thing. We're just, we're big kids in older bodies. We still need consistency. We need somebody who cares about our journey. And, and, and we need, like you said, basically sometimes speak into their, their dadhood, you know, and acknowledge some of the, something positive that you've seen. I just got off the phone with, or did a zoom with with one of my men at, at church and he's a big burly guy, man. He works in the oil field. He's a man's man, but he's got three little girls and a boy and the oldest is nine. The youngest is three and the boy's the youngest and the mother's a saint. He, he, you know, just can you, can you imagine just getting the four of them ready for church on Sunday morning? You know, the chaos, the chaos. And I said, so I, I said, John, I can't wait till we get back to church so I can see your beautiful family come in and they're always there right at, you know, time that church starts, but thank God they're there. And I said, I miss seeing that, but you know, I want to acknowledge that what you're doing is even if you don't think it's a big deal, you know, that, you know, getting your kids in the car in one direction and all going to church uh, to get those kids dressed and cleaned and fed. And I, I just, I, you know, that's amazing. So sometimes I think they, I think they, you know, dads don't see some of that as, you know, as a big deal, but that's part of that speaking into and, and then they go, man, somebody else noticed that this is important. This is important. And I want to continue to be that man and be that dad. Yeah. So good, Jeff. Being a dad who can get four kids clothed to church on time, I feel like is pretty impressive dadhood right there. And 
<clears throat> I do think there's a level of comparison that happens that robs us of joy. We see other relationships, other dads, other mentors who are killing it. And we look at our own situation and we're like, I'm I'm not measuring up to that. Right, right. And I, I wonder what you would say to the dad who's stuck there, the mentor who's stuck in a negative comparison loop. How how do they get out of that as your your last yeah. thought? Yeah. Well, it's kind of like, you know, I think that's why men, that's why some of us don't go to the gym, because as soon as we go to the gym, you know, we get so excited about this, you know, the set that we just did. And then we look across the gym and we see this big you know, guy that who's been, who's been doing it for years, you know, and we, again, we are, we're impatient. We just want it to happen today. And uh, being a dad doesn't, it's not a one day job. It's a, it's, you know, start here and have a point, aiming point and a big picture. And so just don't get caught up in the comparison game. Just be the, be the dad that you, you know, for your kid, that daily active devoted dad, where you're at today. And, uh, and take that first step and, and consi- be consistent. So good. Jeff Springer, everybody, we're going to leave his information in the show notes so you can connect with him. But yes, definitely look out for the next episode with Jeff Springer. Um, and we're going to unpack play and how that affects our mentor relationships and should influence how we live as dads and leaders in our communities. So I wonder if you could give a teaser for spring strategies and, and kind of the, the philosophy of what you try to impart into organizations and leaders, because yeah. I, I want to give people a taste. So they'll come back next week. Yeah. Well, pl- play is, we feel like that ultimately we want people engaged because if people are engaged in what they're doing, then they're, you know, the pro- productivity the creativity and the innovation, imagination is all, uh, you know, it, it just grows. Uh, so, so, so engagement is the goal and play is the vehicle. And so we talk about the different aspects of play. Who are your people? How do you love? Um, what are you acknowledging and, and what do you yearn for? And so we, we will break that down next time and how that, uh, play plays out in, <laughs> uh, in the cultures that uh, people are, are working in. Thank you so much, Jeff, for spending time talking into our dadhood. I'm encouraged. I'm three weeks in and I'm ready to go. Suit up, brother. Hey, thanks, Stephen. I love you. Proud of you. Wow. Loved that interview with Jeff Springer. I'm excited to have him on again on the podcast to explain that acronym he mentioned, PLAY. So be on the lookout for the next episode and... Maybe even in that interview, I'll get to ask him a few more questions about being my high school principal, um, such as uh, his son played basketball and he got more playing time than me. So I want to know what's up with that. So be on the lookout for that episode. And for this episode, I'd encourage you and challenge you to identify one thing you can change about your mentoring relationship out of all of the principles and things that came out of that. I know he is a principal, but he shared a lot of principles in that episode. So Find one, make a change, and you could change a generation. If you picked up one thing from today's episode, let it be this. You can mentor.